Rooted in Revenue with your host today, Susan Finch. Susan Finch, your host for Rooted in Revenue, and I am here with Holly Jackson, and I am excited because she and I met through first a post on LinkedIn, a comment. She reached out in messages. She was just so friendly and warm, and we went back and forth trying to find a time to get to know each other over coffee, and we finally did it, and we didn't want the conversation to end, and something that she talked about intrigued me and it was, you know, what has you excited? And her answer was about relaunching books. So Holly, give people just a quick background about you, your specialties, but let's get into that conversation. I love it. Yeah. So I'm a holistic business coach. Uh, what that means is I have a holistic approach to business owners being successful. And that means you get three in one, right? So you get a health coach, a life coach, and a business coach. You can't get better than that. And you need all three to be successful. Let's be real. But also I work with business owners on amplifying their message through their book, they're speaking and so much more. And if you know anything about this, this marketing space these days, your story matters, your message matters, whether it's a personal brand, your you know, messaging for your movement, your nonprofit, or your business. So that's why, you know, we talk about repurposing content. You put so much blood, sweat, and tears into the content you develop, whether it's a blog, a podcast interview, a video series, and especially your book. So you want to make sure you squeeze every ounce of success out of that. And so we were talking about relaunching your book and this cool new mastermind I'm launching this year, not the new year, because it's now 2023. And yeah, we started talking about that. So let's dig into the questions that you have, Susan. I'm happy to share more. Great. And everybody, she and I both know we cross paths a little bit and there's some crossover because we do some of the same services, but I have so much respect for her. Holly, for your approach to things and your approach to businesses, I talk about in my podcast classes, complementers versus competitors. And I put you into that complementer area that there's enough of the pie for all of us. And I want to learn more from you to see, hmm, is there something else I can bring to my clients and potential clients? So I'm very happy about this. I have been in business and marketing, B2B especially, for the last 25 years. So I know a lot of authors. <laughs> I know lots of authors that have launched so many books. I mean, I'm looking at my shelves right above me and I am surrounded by the likes of Jill Conrath, Paul Fariga, Matt Hines. I mean, it's just crazy. There's dozens and dozens. And I surround myself with these friends that have signed books and it just makes me feel good because I'm inspired by them. But I also know they have older books. Sometimes they have books that are five, you know, three, five, seven, ten years old that are still so valuable in what they teach, yet their publisher's job is over. They launch the book. And these aren't people that are just self-published, which, you know, that's a whole different game. These are people that have publishers that got the deal, got the publicity, got everything pushed out for their book, but now it's been a few years. And maybe they're doing another book, maybe not. But what's in there is still valuable and they can still use that for reach. But how do they show a publishing date of, you know, 2015 that it's still good? What do they do with that, Holly? Yeah, I mean, this is the whole point of, of marketing. So you've got your pre-launch plan, your launch plan, and your post-launch plan. All of this is marketing, right? 
And right. so if you have a book, let's say you published a book and you weren't happy with the results, or maybe you were super successful, but like you just said, it's been sitting on the shelf and you haven't done a great job of your post-launch campaign. So you haven't continued to market it. It's lost some traction, lost some volume. Well, if there's a way to update that book, like just add a new preface with the new tool in it. And by the way, lead magnet tools are super smart to have if you're trying to grow your business in the front of your book. Yes, that is a ninja top ninja tip. Um, drop the mic moment for you guys listening here. So <laughs> make sure you do that. But all you have to do is just add some short updates to it. And then obviously work with super smart people like Holly Jackson or Susan Finch on your launch and pre-launch strategy. And Bazinga, you have another book that you can actually use to leverage and build your business, your nonprofit, your movement. And so that's what we're talking about here is instead of just creating a new book, how can you reposition yourself as the thought leader and the expert with your old book, update it a bit, add a new tool that brings people into your new sphere of, of influence, or perhaps even people that have read it are like, I want the new thing, the latest and the greatest, because nobody wants to have that FOMO going around, right? So this brings up a few points, though. My thought initially was without having to republish, like physically go back into the files and redo things, giving new life to that previous book that's still going. But also, sometimes those books were not launched in a Kindle fashion, in the ebook fashion. And the ebook gives you way more opportunities to update on a more regular basis and a great way to reach out to you know, your fans already to say, oh, remember that book and you loved it? Well, things have changed. Best practices have changed. So I've updated chapters four, five, and nine, and it's on the Kindle version for $1.99 because as we all know, we're rarely going to go viral and pay off our houses with our books. But, <laughs> you know? Sorry. But, too funny. Too funny. But it is. It, but what it will do is open up opportunities again to re-engage your audience, re-engage people in those conversations, and maybe get you some speaking gigs, maybe get you some podcast opportunities that, again, will open it up. Because what's our ultimate goal most of the time in B2B? More clients from our books. Yeah. It is our handshake. Yeah. And that's a good point. So you can do your relaunch in different ways, right? So let's say you launched your book and it wasn't successful. Well, we don't have to change a thing with your book unless it's missing certain key elements, which we talk about in both of our businesses. If you don't have a lead magnet, what's the point of your book? Right. Like it's great, but we want to lead them somewhere, right? Beyond just the message of the book, but you could also just relaunch it, not change a thing, just relaunch it, have a new marketing campaign around it. Maybe just make a small tweak there, get it back out into the world, actually put together a solid marketing plan. These things matter. And it's ironic. Susan and I were laughing about how very few of us are going to like pay off the mortgage with our book sales. Part of what I like to do with my clients in my mastermind, in my marketing consulting, and in my one-on-one -on -one services is help them reframe success, right? So we need to redefine what a successful launch looks like. It's not just about the number of book sales. Like, yes, we want to have the social credibility of bestseller status. And Susan and I are experts at helping people do this. But it's also about getting clients that are actually going to pay you revenue that's way more than the cost of your book. Am I right? <laughs> yes. 
So that's what we're talking about is that kind of strategy to get clients, ideal people, get in front of those people. We don't care about other people buying your book. We care about getting in front of your ideal clients that are going to spend a lot of money, build a deeper relationship with you and change their lives because you are the expert at solving their problem. hundred percent. Those are all very great points. And the lead magnet I'm telling you guys, it is, it's a missed opportunity. It's like, why would you send somebody to your website to read something without a call to action? That's all that is. So you you don't have to get caught up in the term lead magnet. It's what do you want them to do next? Goody, they like the book. You want them to review it. Okay, yeah. But then what? They like you. They stayed through the book. So obviously they like you. They trust you. And that's the hardest thing to build is that trust. You want them to share it with others yet, but you want them to talk to you about the next thing so they can get to meet you in person and build that relationship and then start to solve each other's problems. Absolutely. And if you really think about it, for people that are trying to build their business and get more clients, get more leads, have more speaking engagements, one of the best things to have in your toolkit is a book, because guess what, you guys, as soon as you have a book, it's so much easier to land speaking gigs. It gives you so much credibility and a lot of meeting planners that are the ones selecting speakers. As soon as you say you have a book, you're a big deal. And the reason being is that less than 1% of the world actually publish a book and it gives you tremendous social credibility and they take you seriously because gosh, they're a best-selling author. Amazing. We want to have her there. We can also use that to sell people to come in. But Also, if you combine that and you land like a TEDx and you have those two killer combos of bestseller author and a TEDx talk or a TED talk, oh man, I mean, like it's going to be very easy for you to convert clients. It's going to be easy for you to get speaking gigs. And this is where that ripple effect and the momentum starts to build. And you think about too, after you've written your book, who else has written books in your space since then? Do you follow them? Do you watch what they're doing? How are they different than you? How do they compliment you? How do they reinforce what your book is about? Can you team up and maybe do a panel discussion? Maybe invite people on. Again, there's enough of the pie there. There's enough that you can pull from each other and play off of each other. And people will get to know you by your personality in these situations. They get to know you by your personality in your book, on your podcast, Anytime you do public speaking, but that, you know, public speaking most of the time is a smaller audience. They're fun because you get paid a, a chunk, but you reach more as Holly and I both know with podcasting because it's a continuous flow of your voice, your style into people's ears where they get comfortable with you. So if you can align yourself with some people that either think like you, maybe take the totally opposite approach that you can respect have those discussions because people are going to fall in one camp or the other and it can't hurt for you guys to play off each other's audiences. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, part of your relaunch, your pre-launch, your launch, your post-launch marketing, like, right. So you just your marketing, all of these things is guesting on other people's podcasts where the people you're trying to reach are hanging out and listening. And what's really unique about podcasts in particular is we have these lovely cell phone devices and we feel like they're our best friends. And when we lose them, we have major attachment issues. We're all way too addicted to our phones. But the thing is, is when we listen to that in our phone, it automatically creates this subconscious trust 
because we're in our own space. We could be in our pajamas. We could be driving somewhere. We could be somewhere really intimate and we're listening to that podcast and we're becoming friends with the person who is sharing these stories. Not to mention if you look back to like caveman times, we shared messages and stories around a campfire. That's intimate, long form shares, not these short uh, attention span things, which yeah, of course that's where people are moving with video. But there's also a growing number of people in the population that want long form. They want to connect with people through stories. And if you know anything about marketing, stories are what stick. Stories, they come in handy for marketing, for PR too, and for onboarding, for company culture, for your sales teams. If you don't have your company's stories and your own stories, how do you build the draw to the company, whether it's for new team members, keeping team members or attracting clients? You've got to have that consistent story and somebody has to help you define it, whether it's your marketing team, your PR team, whomever it is, but somebody has to help you define, refine and package up those stories so everybody can use them in your team. Maybe you have somebody else in another department that got invited onto a podcast. Maybe it's one of your tech people. Well, you still want them to bring those stories with them. And so your book, getting back to your book, maybe you want to update some of the stories. I love the idea of taking advantage of the digital versions of books because printing can be expensive. And if that publisher is gone or not interested in this update, in this, you know, second version, any of the revisions that you have in your mind, okay, fine. What about an ebook version? Can they still help you put that together? And maybe not, maybe you have to find a new person. So I have most of it. So that's the other piece too. With your books, guys, make sure you have all those files because publishers go away. Your contacts at publishers go away. And you wanna make sure that you have everything, all the panels, the printed version, the online version, every version of your book, you have a copy that you can use and edit, not just the final, can't do anything with it version, but the version that you can go back and make changes to. So it makes this type of approach so simple. Absolutely. And I will say also playing with different mediums for your book, for your relaunch, your launch, et cetera, um, is really important. I, I know eventually I'm going to do an audio version of my first book. I haven't gotten to it yet, but eventually maybe on a cold, rainy week, I will go <laughs> and do that, right? Why not? Why not? Um, Because I do want it to be my own voice. I don't want to outsource it to somebody else because it's very personal. But you can always do your Audible launch, right? right? So repurpose the content. A lot of people don't read, actually read. Like they want to hear it vocal. And so why not relaunch your book that way? And then you can have snippets and clips of that that you can use on social media with images and overlays. Or if you're really smart, you can record it with video too and have video snippets and have somebody edit that out like bazinga, like that's a drop the mic ninja tip there too. Um, <laughs> but if you're going to do the recording, why not have all that so you right. can repurpose the content? Exactly. I have a friend and she's written a murder mystery and yes, she's going to have actors do that one. That's her audible. But when people are learning from us, it's our voice, it's our intonations, it's our humor that comes through. It's the stories that we're throwing in there. Nobody can tell our stories like we can. So it is yeah, you know, something to consider. And I know several authors that some of their books, if you revisit them, new stories have come up since then. And from people who have bought the book, 
implemented what they learned and taken it. So they have those stories and they share, a lot of times people will share their stories with you. How your book inspired me. Just so you know, I got this because of your book. Those are the stories to collect and maybe even record it in their voice. Ask them to be a guest in your audiobook. Get those releases. Make sure that, you know, you're not gonna have to pay them to do that too much. Uh, take them to lunch or something. But people love to be able to tell their story, especially when they're a fan of you. And what a wonderful, respectful thing and element to add into an audio version of a book. Yeah, that's a great idea. Absolutely, completely agree. Um, actually, for my second book that I've just started writing, so there, it's called Inspiration Contagion, the whole book series. The first one is Health Secrets for Raving Success. The second one, I don't have the subtitle yet, but it's going to be on clarity, legacy, and leadership. But I used my podcast, which I launched a couple years ago, which is also Inspiration Contagion, to collect case studies and stories from leaderships, leaders around the world to really kind of unpack five different leadership styles that I created. And I wanted to dig into to help other future leaders, existing leaders to get more clarity around how they show up as a leader. And so it's a really kind of clever way, one, to hold yourself accountable, two, to collect already recorded vocal stories that you could technically include in your audible in the future. And I, by the way, I already had them sign the waiver when they signed up go. for the recording. So if you're looking for a strategic way to launch a really unique and interesting book that's not alone, that's kind of why I started the podcast was not just for having this podcast, but to create a community and to create some stories that weren't just about me and also to get research and data and stories from other people that were incredibly successful as well. I find that the audible version opportunities are huge and the books that I'm thinking of and the people I'm thinking of did not do that version. They have, you know, the Kindle version. Yeah, but that's still reading. It's not the speaking and they do have successful podcasts. I mean, that's why we push so hard when for our podcast clients is to, you know, get those transcripts, mark it up. What is the value? You know, where's the fluff, but where, where are the nuggets that you can just cut through and piece together on a specific topic? Having, I mean, you did your podcast with a book in mind and what's that also keeps you on track and focus for your episodes because everything has to check back to the goal of the book. And that's one thing that I always encourage people when they're doing podcasting to think about what is the ultimate goal of this? Is it to placate egos, whether it's for your people, your hosts, your clients or whoever it is, but really what's the ultimate point? And it's like you were saying, that call to action. What do you want them to do next? What's gonna drive them? So to define, if you were doing a show, think bigger, think about a book. Could it be a book? And if so, what would the overarching theme be, which will help you stay on track, stay engaged, stay enthused to continue your podcast and to bring people on with that goal in mind? I, I think it's a fantastic idea to build it that way. I know a couple of the guys, you know, the market dominance guys, that's, they want to do a book. And so they record this podcast and filtering through their <laughs> their anecdotes are pretty hilarious trying to drill that down though to concepts in each chapter 
is always a challenge, especially when you get people that are just kind of having a great time. Yeah. I mean, I also think it's good to remember that your vision and goal for something you've launched can change over time. Right. So when I started the podcast, it was to capture leadership stories and profiles. I have 70 episodes. I don't need more leadership stories and profiles (laughs) at this point. At this point, I use my podcast, um, more to build relationships for branding for my, my company, my book. Um, I also use it for finding potential clients and partners just going to be completely candid because why not? I am a marketer. Like that is what I do. And it just helps you build a deeper relationship. Uh, It's really difficult to monetize your podcast through sponsorship. Just like we falsely think we're going to get rich and famous from selling copies of books, which is unrealistic. (laughs) If you think your podcast is going to be monetized through sponsorships, um, it's very, very rare, very small percentage of people. It's really difficult to get that number of views because everything is about marketing. And so if that's the case, what if you use your podcast to get just 100 to a thousand raving fans that are the right fit for your platform, build the relationship, have a call to action that brings them into your list and your world to get clients from that. That's a way more realistic and easy way to monetize your podcast. And so, for example, I think I might have shared this story with you. Maybe not. Um, I have an editor for my podcast. He's great. And he recently purchased a coaching package for his girlfriend for Christmas. Right. And I mean, that's so cool. He knows, likes, and trusts me. He knows his girlfriend. He knows that we're going to be a compatible fit. So we started with like a smaller package because I haven't met her. And, and that, that's so cool that we've, you know, he's been editing my podcast for over a year and, and now I have a client from that without even asking for the sale. You never know where they're going to come from. And the super fans might not be your clients, but they might be able to refer clients to you and super fans change companies. And suddenly there is a new opportunity. So you want to continue engaging your audience, but a, a happy book story. One of my friends, Linda Cohen, she is the kindness catalyst and she's a public speaker and she gets great speaking gigs and she speaks though on kindness in the workplace. So what she gets though, see, she's making money off the book because she gets the speaking gig, but they also buy copies of the book for everybody in attendance. So she can sign them there on the spot. What a wonderful two prong hit there. And she just loves hearing the stories because her emails on the book and everything else, people send her stories all the time after reading this and she just lights up. She can't wait. We go on walks regularly and she can't wait to tell me the latest stories. And it's so exciting to hear the difference she has made in the world in healthcare and at banks and all these different industries that are usually dry and not full of emotion and watch that bloom from her book. Yeah. And I mean, I have to say that that's, that's the thing is you publish a book, right? It's all this effort. You're like squeezing this juice out of a stone, right? And you launch it. And then it's like, that's it. And and you put so much effort into your launch and your marketing. And I have to say that it takes a while, even when you're super successful with your launch to fully process and absorb that this is real. Right. And so what I like to share is when I am having a rough day, there are two places that I go for, uh, being uplifted. Well, actually maybe three, right? So one, I look at my book reviews because I have incredible stories and people, you know, share life transforming things that just really lift me up. I'm like, cool. 
that's, I'm here for a good reason. Um, I also look at testimonials and reviews and emails from my clients because they're just phenomenal. And then I have what I call my jar of awesome as number three. And my jar of awesome is when something really cool happens. I have a jar sitting on my counter in my kitchen with post-its and a pen next to it. And I'll write it down so that when I have those Eeyore in the gloomy days, I can remind myself that this is just an off day. What a great idea. I used to have a a to-go container from a Chinese restaurant, clean one. And I would put love notes in there and polancas and the same kind of thing. When somebody would give me a compliment, I'd print it up, cut it, little strip, put it in there. And it started when I was a teen at a youth group retreat. And we all wrote these notes to everybody throughout the weekend. And I kept those for the longest time because on a bad day, I could go back and remember, yeah, I'm doing it right. I'm doing something well. I'm doing something for somebody, somebody seeing me, whatever it is, but have those out. And you're right. You need to track those successes from your launch, from your book launch. And like Linda has shown me, you know, she has publishers. Yeah. And they get the book launched. Yeah. But the continuous momentum is marketing and you might not be able to do it yourself. You might need help and you might need a budget for that folks. It's part of business expenses and how much is that worth to you or how much do you want to learn? You can take workshops and learn how to do some of it yourself. Holly teaches, I coach. I mean, we do things and it's like, okay, you can't afford us every month. Why don't we get you started? We'll give you a good plan and let's check in in six months. Let's check in after a quarter and see how it's working for you and maybe help you adjust things. But you can do the work. I know Joe Dale Carruthers with the murder mystery. That's what she does with me. I give her a to-do list. I give her tactics and we go through it. She's okay, show me how. And she pays you for that coaching. Then she has done a great job with her book and she's on book two now and they want book three. And it's the type of book that she has these actors that are, that asked to record her book, well-known people. It's like, wow, I'm so excited for her because to us, all her fans, we think it should be a movie because it's that fun. But she's learned to do it herself even with us behind the scenes, helping her. And she knows, she said, I couldn't have gotten this far without you, but she's not paying me every month. She's paying me every other month and for some coaching and, and some cheering and some sharing and get the help where you need it. People. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what I don't want people to experience is similar to what I experienced. Like I was successful with my launch. It was a bestseller and we hit all of the targets we had. But what I learned from the launch was all of the things we could have done better. Cause you know, I love marketing. I'm obsessed with doing things the right way. And regardless of whether you work with a publisher, that's traditional a hybrid publisher or you self-publish, right. I am telling you that you need to have somebody else in your corner to make sure you have the very best marketing strategy. And guess what, you guys, that starts six months to a year out before oh, yeah. you publish the book. Oh my and, gosh. Don't start building your list after it's at the press. Yeah. And this is my other point is also while you're developing the content of your book, if you're not launched yet, or you're about to relaunch it and you want to add new content, 
you want to work with somebody who strategically helps you put the content together that makes sense for your brand and for the goals you have for your business, your nonprofit, and your movement. And that's why it's important to work with someone like Susan or myself to make sure you have that right plan. And like she said, we're complementers. Like I'm not the right fit for everybody. You have to have good chemistry for people. Maybe my process isn't right for you. And so that's why Susan and I are doing this interviews because we work differently with authors and we do some different things as well that complement. And so regardless, what I want make want to make sure everybody hears today, we want you to be so successful that you are just on fire and lit up and celebrating your book launch, your relaunch, all the things. We do not want you to walk away feeling like, gosh, I could have done better. I left money on the table. I left opportunity on the table. I didn't get the reviews and the stories I was looking for. Nobody wants that for you. So our call to action today is to check out the show note links and learn more about either of us or anyone really. We just want you to get your message into the world and to feel great about your launch. And if you have a book from the past and you're still proud of it, why are you proud of it? It's time to start talking about that book again and maybe revisit maybe some pieces. Maybe you talked about technology that's gone now. Maybe you're talking about Blackberries and we're not doing that anymore. But maybe the tactics and the information are still so valuable they just need a little bit of tweaking, a little bit of updating. Think about it. Look at your reviews. Go back like Holly does. Read the reviews on your book. I read the reviews on my own book, but my book was a kid's book. And they still make me happy. But read that and say, okay, those things were right. Let me look at those chapters. You know your book better than anybody. Go back and the thing that you wish you, it's like, oh, if I had only. This is your chance. You can do it and make it better than ever and keep it very, very relevant, very much in demand and build your credibility again. And who knows, maybe it's going to inspire you to do your next book. Yeah. I mean, inspiration contagion. We're here to spread some inspiration and some healing and some joy and get you fired up to share your message. We want more than 1% of the world sharing their books because I guess what? I know that we want to fix this world. We want to fix our local communities. We want to improve things. It takes each of us showing up with the amazing skill set that we each have inherently and sharing how we can fix that problem for more people. And by the way, if you're afraid to share your message, I'll leave you with this. If you can fix and heal a problem, any problem out there that people have, how dare you not share that? Those people are suffering. They're stuck. They're struggling. So my challenge for you today is get out of your way. Stop listening to that little naysayer on your shoulder yep. and share your message because it matters. Ollie, thank you for coming on today. What's the best way for people to find you? Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me. It was fun. You can tell we're both passionate about this. <laughs> you can find me at hollyjeanjackson.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn at Holly J. Jackson. And you can email me at holly at hollyjeanjackson.com. And the last kind of funny note, since you're bringing up somebody who wrote murder books, the reason I brand myself as Holly Jean Jackson is because there's a Holly Jackson out there right. who wrote murder books, and that's not the right Holly Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Jean with a J, J-E-A-N, just so you yes. make sure you have that right and don't think that she's trying to be clever with her name spelling. It's the normal way. <laughs> yeah. 
Holly with a Y, which is the right way. Sorry for your other Hollies with the IE that are out there. Holly with a Y, Jean with a J, Jackson, like Michael Jackson. Pretty easy to remember, right? Right. <laughs> Thank you so much. And everybody for listening to this episode of Rooted in Revenue. You can find us on all of your favorite podcast apps. Learn more at FunnelRadio.com. We're always trying to help you make the most of your online presence, look better online, sound better, have more confidence to be able to be invited to be the speaker about your brand, your specialties, and what you do best. Thank you so much. Never miss an episode. Check out rootedinrevenue.com and subscribe on the site to get weekly updates of when new episodes come out. Or find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, So go subscribe. We'll get you all the information you need to do your best with marketing and your online presence.